For our scripture reading today, you're invited to get out your Bible or Bible app and go today's reading from the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, beginning with chapter 2. The Old Testament, beginning with chapter 2 in the book of Joshua. Um, Bibles are available in the back of the chairs if you need one. They're free for the taking. If you need to take it home, you're welcome to. And now today's scripture reading, Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. Then Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, Some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out the whole land. But the women took the two men and hid them. Then she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you can overtake them. She had, however, brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men pursued them on the way to Jordan as far as the fords. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that dread of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, since I have dealt kindly with you, Swear to me that the Lord, that you in turn will deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, Our life for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, then we will deal kindly and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us the land. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Denise. Oh. Thank you, Shannon. Grace and peace to you, beloved. My name is Amy Wilson Feltz, and I'm the pastor here at Morningstar, and I'm happy to be with you on this second Sunday in the season of Advent. Before we begin the message, whether you are here in the sanctuary or worshiping at home, I hope that you have a highlighter ready along with your Bible or your Bible app, which you can also highlight electronically. If you're at home and you would like one of these highlighters, I'll be happy to make them available to you. Just let me know that you need one. You can send Laura a message online. And Denise has them available right here in the sanctuary. So if you didn't get one and you'd like one today, just raise your hand and she'll be happy to bring them to you. Okay. They are free. They're my gift to you. Let us take a deep breath. 
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Several years ago now, a friend and I found some really inexpensive round-trip tickets to the Bahamas. We had just concluded our first semester in seminary in New Jersey in January, so we were really excited to spend a few days on a sunny beach. We arrived at the hotel and were given our room keys only to discover that the door handle to our room was broken. We notified the front desk and a hotel employee was sent to help us. He was able to quickly open the door and kindly invited us into the room, invited us to relax and unpack as he began to actually do the repair work that was needed on the lock. A few minutes later, we heard the door shut. And then we saw the hotel employee, without a word to us, walk to the phone that was in between our beds. He picked up the phone, called the front desk, and said, please send help, we are all locked in. Sometimes we have no choice but to trust a complete stranger. In the story that we read today, a woman named Rahab is often presented as that stranger that Joshua and his team of spies decided to trust. But it was really they who were strangers in a strange land as they snuck into Canaan to scout out the resistance. The land that had been promised to them by God had people living in it. Their possession of the land would not come without bloodshed. This is a troubling premise in our holy text that we cannot explain away, and certainly not today. Today, our focus is on Rahab, who is often introduced to us as if prostitute were her last name. In the genealogy of Jesus that we find in Matthew chapter 1, however, Rahab is mentioned as the mother of Boaz. It's that detail. It's that detail that is of interest to us as we continue to explore our Advent sermon series origin story, The Mothers of Jesus. So I invite you to turn once again in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. So whether you're using a Bible that you can open like this or you're using a Bible app, please turn to Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Now remember, the purpose of the genealogy is to connect Jesus back to Abraham, to show that Jesus is the one about whom the prophecies have spoken, the Christ child, the coming Messiah to save the people. That's what we see in verse 17 with the explanation of the generations from Abraham to David, from David to the exile to Babylon, and from the exile to the Messiah, to Jesus. If you did not take time to highlight that verse last week, I encourage you to highlight verse 17 this week because it is foundational. But now go back up to verse 3 where it says, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Highlight that one if you missed it last Sunday. It was Tamar who sparked our discussion about what we receive from our ancestors. And we determined that Jesus himself learned to challenge the letter of the law and to take risks to ensure the safety of the vulnerable from his knowledge of Tamar's story. 
So now let's take a look at verse 5, where you see, And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Go ahead and highlight that one this time. Again, we first meet Rahab in the land of Canaan when Joshua and his spies are on a recon mission to assess the enemy forces before they launch their raids. So now turn back to Joshua chapter 2, which is where Denise was just reading. It's in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 2. We will be reading verses 8 through 14 one more time so we can get that in our minds. And as we learned this morning, Joshua and his team have entered the city of Jericho and they find a shelter in the home of Rahab. And the king hears that Rahab is harboring the enemy and so he has her questioned. Rahab denies the charge of aiding the enemy and suggests that the men have merely engaged in a business transaction with her, so to speak. Remember, Rahab had a reputation as a prostitute, so hers was not an unlikely story. And it appears that the king's men believe her because they follow her information on a wild goose chase outside of the city walls while Joshua and his spies remain safe on Rahab's roof. This is where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. I'll read those again. Before they went to sleep, Rahab came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that dread of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came up out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God, in heaven above and on earth below. And now since I have dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you will in turn deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith, that you will spare my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, our life for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, then we will deal kindly and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us this land. This is a really powerful exchange. Like Tamar, Rahab was living without security, without a real identity. Tamar was a widow living in her father's house. Rahab, a sex worker, presumably also living in her father's house. Unlike Tamar, Rahab was not of Hebrew descent. She was a Canaanite, an outsider, and yet she knows the story Rahab knows the story of God. She's heard of the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea during the escape from Egypt. And not only can she recount the details, she can identify the source. Verse 11 serves as a profession of faith as Rahab says, The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven, above, and on earth, below. The Lord your God is indeed God. So it wasn't just Joshua who decided to trust Rahab. It was Rahab 
who decided to trust God. And it would be easy here to claim that Rahab is motivated by the fear that she describes in verse 11. But remember, the word fear also means awe, reverence. Rahab believes in the power of a God that she does not yet really know to make a way where there seems to be no way. She believes enough to see that her way out of no way is standing in front of her in the form of Joshua and his men. So she asks for a sign. In our faith tradition, we believe that signs are more than symbols. A symbol points to something else. It represents something. But a sign is a part of the thing itself. It's an invitation to engage in some way. A symbol is about sharing information. A sign is about an experience. And our sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion are signs of our identity in God and our part of the body of Christ. They don't merely remind us of God's saving and healing work. They are live moments of that saving and healing work every time. So Rahab asks for a sign of the promise that she's been given that she and her family would be safe, would be spared when Joshua and the army come back. So let's turn back to Joshua chapter 2, verses 17 and 18 this time. If you have your Bibles marked, then it's really easy to go back to it. 17 and 18 in the same chapter, chapter 2. The men said to her, we will be released from this oath that you have made us swear to you if we invade the land and you do not tie this crimson or scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you do not gather into your house your father and mother and brothers and all of your family. I would suggest that you highlight this piece about the scarlet or crimson cord. Does this sign remind you of another sign? Does it bring anything to mind? Okay, just one more passage, okay? Exodus chapter 12. Y'all, this is really cool. These connections are really important. We just have to know where to find them. So Exodus chapter 12, that's in the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the Old Testament. It's right after Genesis, Genesis, Exodus. Exodus chapter 12. We're back in the land of Egypt. Just before that miraculous escape from the Red Sea, that Rahab had recounted in her own profession of faith. And God is telling Moses to instruct the people to anoint their doors with lamb's blood as a sign of their identity as the Hebrew people. Somebody just caught it. I heard it. As a sign of their identity as the Hebrew people, the people of God. So let's read verses 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both humans and animals. On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. You might want to highlight those verses too, or at least the part about the blood. 
It is only by this sign that the firstborn children will be spared and that God will pass over their families. This is a connection worth making. The lamb blood on the doors of the people of Egypt and the scarlet cord in Rahab's window are signs of the same action of God acts of mercy and forgiveness. So Joshua gives Rahab this sign as he departs, and she gives it right back to him when they return. That's what we find in the sixth chapter of Joshua. The army does return, and Rahab is spared, and she actually becomes a member of the Hebrew family. She marries in to the culture. She becomes the mother of Boaz, finding herself in the lineage of the Messiah, the Lamb of God, whose blood would become a sign of mercy and forgiveness for everyone, which is the same sign that we celebrate in the cup of Holy Communion. So we started with the lamb's blood. We added the cord, the blood of Jesus, and Holy Communion. They are all signs of the same acts of God. It's amazing, isn't it? The richness that we can find in our holy text. And this is exactly the kind of connection that Rahab was able to make with very limited knowledge of the God that she professed. She could feel the army closing in on her just as the Hebrew people had felt the Egyptians closing in on them as they were blocked by the Red Sea. And in her mind, she saw the waters part. And she could see her chance, not just to escape, but to live in freedom and the freedom that only a covenant with God provides. Now, I know it's a silly example, but it's not unlike that moment when I found myself locked in that hotel room with my friend and a complete stranger. We were all able to remain calm, and within minutes, someone was able to unlock the door from the outside. Praise the Lord, our new friend said. We are all free. I don't think he knew he was with two seminarians at the time, but we joined him and said, praise the Lord indeed. Many times in the ministry of Jesus, we see him bringing that sense of freedom through connections that he's able to make with the ancient text of his faith and what God is doing in the present moment. We see it in Matthew when he quotes Deuteronomy and Leviticus. When he's giving the greatest commandment to love God and and love neighbor, we see it in Luke chapter 4 when he picks up the scroll of Isaiah and he reads it and he says, I'm the one who's been sent to set the captives free. We see it every time he speaks to someone who is disregarded by the masses, like the Samaritan woman. When Jesus encounters a woman at the well in John chapter 4, she had been essentially written off by her people as being no better than a prostitute because of her series of relationships. And all of the social norms in both of their societal circles would have kept these two strangers apart. And yet Jesus reaches out to her, offering her a sign of mercy and forgiveness, freedom from the inner bondage that she felt, Is it possible that Jesus saw in this woman's face a vision of his ancestor, Rahab? Could it be that Rahab's story washed over Jesus, giving him the compassion that he needed to see what she needed? New life. Was the woman at the well brought to her own profession of faith in part because Jesus' own heritage included a similar, dramatic, Revelation. 
truly as we look at the life of Jesus through the lens of odd female names and his genealogy, our origin story of faith begins to glow with the power of women who would not and could not just stay in their places. So for Rahab, the mother of Boaz, a mother of Jesus, a mother of our own faith, let us give thanks. Beloved, let us give thanks for Rahab's ability to see the hope that God's faithfulness brings at our deepest point of despair. And may we get that from her. With a side of fries, Shannon. <laughs> Amen? Thank you. Amen. <laughs> So for those of you who don't know what's going on there, the youth give me a word to work into the sermon, and if I don't do it, they get a dollar, and if I do, I get to keep my dollar. The word was fries this morning. Let's take a deep breath and let us pray. Lord Jesus, we often pray that your kingdom would come, so we ask that your reign in our lives would flourish and grow. Strengthen us especially at this busy time, that we might make time for preparation in the midst of the rush of life, help us to find inner quietness and an awareness of your presence. Amen. <laughs>